Our scripture passage for this morning comes from the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 18 through 22. Let's read aloud these words together. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. You know, it is amazing to think about what all God can do within a very short period of time. On Friday night at One Church, uh, One Church is the church within a church here at Acts 2 UMC, we celebrated our third birthday. We celebrated another year of ministry. We celebrated another year of lifting high the name of Jesus week in and week out. We celebrated another year of simply being community of showing up, of caring for one another, of loving one another, of praying for one another, and being there for one another. It was a really holy and special night. And every single week at One Church, these words have been spoken together at the very beginning of worship. One Church is a new community for new people seeking to change the world with the love of God. You know, that's what One Church is all about. That's why One Church was launched in the first place three years ago, to be that kind of community, to create and cultivate that kind of community here in Edmond, a community that loves our neighbors, a community that extends grace and kindness to those around us. But something I've realized, maybe you've realized this as well, that to love our neighbors, we need to know our neighbors. You know, it's kind of hard to love those that you don't know. And so this morning, we're kicking off a new sermon series called The Relationship Challenge. And we're looking at the different stages and the relationships we have throughout our lives. And so tonight, excuse me, this morning, (laughs) I'm going to be sharing about dating and singleness. Those two topics, dating and singleness. Now, to be completely honest and transparent with everyone here this morning, I have a lot of experience in one of those two areas and not the other, but I'm not going to say which one is which. Here's what the statistics have to say about our very own community of Edmond. Among adults aged 18 to 24 in Edmond, 46% of men are single, and 39% of women are single. So almost half of the men in that age category here in Edmond are single, and over a third of the women are single in our own very town. It drops a little bit in the next age group in adults aged 25 to 29. 15% of men are single, and 14% of women are single. Then whenever you look at the next age category, things even out between men and women. Among adults aged 31 to 34, 10% of both men and women 
are single. And whenever you take all of that into account, when you look at overall the adult population of Edmond, 28% of people living here have never been married. Statistically speaking, one out of four people that you have a conversation with here in Edmond has never been married before. So why do I share all of that? Why do I bore us with all of these statistics this morning? Well, I share all of that simply to make this point, that there are a lot of single people all around us. There are a lot of single people living here in Edmond, and I think we just need to acknowledge that. I think we just need to be upfront about that. And even more, we need to acknowledge that we as the church, we as Acts 2 UMC, we aren't just a church or a community for married people or, or people who have been married before. We are a church for all people, amen? Whether they're dating, whether they're single, whether they're engaged, whether they're married, whether they're divorced, it doesn't matter. All are welcome here at Acts 2 UMC. But today, we are talking about dating and singleness. And the hot-pressing question that I want to lift up for us this very morning is this. What is dating like today? Has that ever kept you up at night wondering what dating is like today? That's what we're going to be talking about. And, and heads up, it has changed greatly over the years. And, and not that dating was easy in, in other generations. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But, but there's just a lot of complexities involved whenever it comes to dating today, especially among young people. So to help myself better understand what dating looks like today, as well as to be able to share with us as a church what dating looks like today, I conducted several interviews of young people here within the church, and I asked them these questions in regards to dating. The first question was this. What would you like people who grew up in a different generation to know about dating today? The second question, what are some of the biggest difficulties today whenever it comes to dating? The third question, what does an ideal date look like to you? And finally, number four, what role does your faith in God play in your dating life? Here's what they had to say. different generation to know about dating today? I think that the biggest thing is that despite my age or my generation's age is that despite our lack of experience, we still want that connection with someone. We still want to be able to have someone that we can share our feelings with our day to day. And I think what a lot of people think of my generation is, you know, we're all looking for something quick, something easy and meaningless. But I think deep down, we all, despite our age, still want someone we can put our trust in and just tell our feelings to, good or bad, and someone we can just share that with. Beautiful. Okay. What are some of the most difficult aspects of dating today? Technology. For, I'm, I hate how technology is the means of communication. Like, people don't really do it face-to-face -face anymore. Thank you. What does an ideal date look like to you? Um, probably dinner and a movie, like something simple, not too extravagant. That's great, thank you. And the final question, what role does your faith in God play in your dating life? Um, dating a boy that also has faith in God. I don't think I could date someone outside of the faith. I know it sounds bad, but I mean, it's just like, I want someone to share the same beliefs yeah. I do. Thank you, Haley. Mm -hmm. Okay, so those were all the questions. So what would you like people who grew up in a different generation to know about dating today? 
Although it is different, I mean, concepts always change over time. Um, but I mean, we, I feel like there's a different terminology, which like dating, like before dating, there's talking, like people talk to each other as more than friends, but not like officially boyfriend and girlfriend. So. <laughs> so what are some of the most difficult aspects of dating today? Uh, I think I'm going to refer to my first answer and that all of this gray area and, and modern dating also um, social media and the whole online aspect of it. Uh, the thing I've noticed most about dating now is that a lot of people are still looking for the perfect person or someone that fits all of their boxes um, and so it's hard for them to settle on the person in front of them or the person in the same room as them. Um, so it's, it's hard for people to, to just stick with one as opposed to exploring a lot of different options. Thank you. Good answer. <sighs> no one gets a test. <sighs> okay, you ready for the next one? Yeah. Okay. What does an ideal date look like to you? <laughs> an ideal date. <laughs> Um, I, one of the best dates I ever went on, we played like games all night, like board games. We played cards, like war, you know, <laughs> just played war for like 30 minutes. Um, but it was really easy going and it was a good time. And, um, we just got to know each other on a really even playing field. Thank you. All right. The final question. Mm -hmm. What role does your faith in God play? That's a really hard question. Um, actually, if I'm being honest, I don't really talk about my faith um, in the beginning because I want people to, to know who I am before I get into my relationship with God. Um, but it's not something I ever want to hide either. So I guess it depends on the person and the situation, but um, I also want it to be my personal relationship. Um, and I think that's unique for me. I'm not necessarily looking for someone who's going to be my partner. Um, if they are, that's great. But at the end of the day, I've been an individual walking with Christ in, for 32 years now. So um, I'm perfectly happy continuing that way. Thank you so much. So uh, we're all dating experts in here now, right? After watching that video? All right. So here are some of the most common trends I saw just that came up throughout the interview process. Uh, and also, you know, I'm a young person myself. I'm 21 years old. I live on a college campus. I'm surrounded by other young, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds. So I see this on a daily basis as well. So these are just some of the different trends I saw come up in the interviews as well as just from my own experience being a young person. The first trend is this. It's the use of technology. The use of technology is so prominent, and it can be overwhelming. This includes dating websites. This includes dating apps. This, of course, includes social media. And those things have been around before in previous generations, but, but just not to the same extent. And, and it, can, it can just be overwhelming with all these websites and these apps and these social media net networks. There's just so much pressure to always look good, to never post any flaws or mistake, to always present this ideal, perfect picture of yourself and to see how many likes you can get or see how many hearts you can get and, and make sure the right people like your pictures, make sure the people that you like are the ones loving your Facebook posts. You know, all of that kind of goes into technology today when it comes to dating and, and quite simply can just be overwhelming. 
can be overwhelming. The second trend going off of that is the ways in which we communicate. Uh, So if you're here this morning and you're married, especially if you've been married for a while now, uh, how did you first start communicating with the person you're now married to? You know, probably a lot of face-to-face interactions, maybe a few phone calls, a text message here or there, maybe some letters. However, today there is so much more involved, and it seems like there's this overemphasis on texting. And with texting comes all of these weird questions and all these weird little pressures like, is this text too long? Should I use an emoji in this text? Is, is this an emoji-appropriate text? Or, uh, you know what, why didn't she put an exclamation point at the end of the sentence? Or why did he respond with a K? I mean, I spent 10 minutes writing that text, and he just responded with a K. You know, all of that goes in to dating today. And, and on top of texting, there's this little app now called Snapchat. So instead of sending a boring old text message like they did in the dinosaur's age, now you can send these pictures, and the pictures disappear within a short period of time. So again, just a, a whole new way in which we communicate when it comes to dating today. A third trend that came up in the interviews, and just me seeing this in general, uh, is terminology. The terminology we use when it comes to dating today is beyond confusing. For example, in this relationship, are we talking? Are we dating? Are we seeing each other? Are we going out? Are we boyfriend? Are we girlfriend? Are we taking things slow? Are we going too fast? These are all different ways in which relationships are defined today, and it can just be beyond confusing. And it's something that many young people have to deal with. And the fourth trend is this. Expectations abound. Expectations abound. You know, we have in our minds these pictures of the perfect person for us. You know, the ideal man or the ideal woman, uh, our soulmate, right? And and we imagine a person who meets every requirement that we have and and has no flaws whatsoever and is just so breathtakingly attractive that we can't handle it. And and so we deal with these expectations and, and so often these expectations just go unmet. If I'm getting personal for a moment, uh, I had the expectation that whenever I went off to college, uh, I would meet someone. I didn't. I'm in my last semester there now. <laughs> but why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? No, but in all seriousness, you know, uh, throughout high school, um, I would hear all these stories of, you know, married couples meeting in college, and, and I kind of thought, you know, the same would happen to me, that I would meet someone at college. Plus, I, I knew that I was going to Oklahoma City University, and, and all I heard about that campus was how there were so many more girls on campus than there are guys, and, and so I thought that my odds were pretty good. <laughs> they weren't. <laughs> they weren't, but I thought they were going there. I, I had this expectation that dating would almost be easy. It would be kind of natural. There wouldn't be a lot of difficulties involved, but, but boy, was I wrong. You know, really the, the opposite proved to be true. So, so again, that's just something that young people have to deal with whenever it comes to dating today. Expectations abound. And that's definitely not an exclusive list of, you know, all the different trends that we see today whenever it comes to dating, but I think it's a good start. I think it helps us get a a good idea, a good glimpse into what dating is like today. You know, those trends, they continually came up in the interviews and just me seeing and talking with people on the college campus I live on. Needless to say, dating has changed a lot over the years. Dating has seen significant changes, significant shifts over the years. However, 
With all of that being said, with all of that being taken into account, do you know the one thing that has never changed? The one thing that has always been true, always been the case, no matter the year, no matter the time, no matter the decade, this has always been the case. It's our need for intimacy. Although dating has changed in so many different ways over the years, our need for intimacy has never changed. As human beings, we are created in the image of God, and and part of that includes being created for intimacy, being created to know and be known, being created to love and to be loved, to be in genuine relationship with others. And first and foremost, we were created to have intimacy with God. We were created to be God worshipers. We were created in God's image and created to reflect and glorify God, which I think is just the coolest thing ever because whenever we come here on Sunday mornings and we worship and we lift our hands and lift our voices and sing praises to God, we are doing what we were created to do, being in this intimate relationship with God, worshiping and giving God praise. So we were created to have this intimacy with God and nothing else can fill that longing we have for it. Secondly, though, we were created for intimacy with others, right? We were created to have genuine relationships with other human beings. And this is a truth that is testified to all throughout the scriptures, all throughout the Bible. We read about the importance of being in genuine relationship with other human beings, Our scripture passage that we read this morning, it came from Genesis chapter 2, where we read about God creating humanity. But leading up to this passage, we read about God creating everything else, and everything God creates, it's good. God creates the light, the skies, the oceans, the dry lands, all of the animals, the birds, the fish, the animals on dry land. God creates all of it, and it says God called it good. It's good, 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 really good. One pastor I was listening to this week, he describes how God was kind of on a roll here in Genesis 1 and 2. You know, God was in the zone. Everything God did, it was good. Kind of like when you're in a good golf game you know, and just every shot is just going right in. Or, or you're playing basketball, and, and, you know, every hoop is nothing but net. You know, that's kind of like what's happening here in, in Genesis 1. Everything God creates, everything God touches, it's good, 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 really good. But then something happens. Something different arises. And in chapter 2 of Genesis, we read for the first time in all of the Bible that something is not And it's not sin, as some may think it is. Uh, That comes in the next chapter. And it's not violence. That was to come a few chapters later. No, the first thing in the Bible that is called not good is loneliness. It's being alone, not being in genuine relationship with another human being. In Genesis 2.18, God says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. Friends, today it is not good. It is not good that we should be alone because that's not what we were created for. We were created for real intimacy, for genuine relationships that go beyond screens, right? That go beyond dating apps and and social media. I love what Reverend Paul Rasmussen had to say. He said, human connection lies at the heart of human well-being. Whenever we're alone, Whenever we're drowning in loneliness, whenever we don't have these genuine connections, that is not good because that's not what we were created for. That's not good for our well-being. 
So what does all this have to do with singleness, though? What does all this have to do with dating today? Well, ultimately, I hope that we would come to this conclusion and that this would be our reality. In the church, in the community of Christ, singleness should never be synonymous with loneliness. Amen? That's not the way it should be in the church. Singleness should never be synonymous with loneliness. Even if a person is single, even if they aren't dating or engaged or married, the hope is that they would never feel alone or lonely or excluded or abandoned. Rather, the hope is that they would feel included, they would feel uh, valued, and they would feel lifted up just like everyone else. I'll be honest. I'm going to shift gears for a second. I love being invited to meals. I do. I've shared many meals with a lot. And this is coming from a single guy myself. I've shared many meals with you all. And I love it. I enjoy the meals we have together. So if you are a married person, maybe something you could do is invite a single person out to lunch or to dinner or to a Super Bowl party today even. You know, it's small things like that (laughs) that can make a really big difference in the lives of our young people. (laughs) Okay, so so far in the sermon, we have laid the foundation by saying that we were created for intimacy, both with God and with one another. We've looked at Genesis chapter 2 and talked about how it is not good for human beings to be alone. We're going to shift for a second, and we're going to look at the New Testament and talk about what the New Testament has to say about singleness. By far the most descriptive chapter in all the Bible when it comes to singleness is 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, before you read these verses, though, uh, they're going to sound kind of crazy, especially in our context and culture today. So so I want to give us a heads up before we read these. Uh, This letter, the, the letter of 1 Corinthians, it was written to a Christian community that believed that Christ was returning really, 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 really soon. Like this week, kind of soon. And Paul believed that as well as he's writing these words. So in their minds, in the minds of these early Christians, if you were single, don't go try to change it. You know, don't go try to get married. Instead, spend what little time you have left worshiping the Lord and sharing the good news with those around you and loving all people. Don't get tied up in marriage and in all that kind of stuff. No, instead, just focus what little time you have left on serving the Lord. Here's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 7. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the affairs of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about the affairs of the world how to please his wife. And his interests are divided, and the unmarried woman and the virgin are anxious about the affairs of the Lord, so that they may be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about the affairs of the world, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to put any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and unhindered devotion to the Lord. And then a couple of verses later, Paul kind of wraps it up by saying this, so then, He who marries his fiancée does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do better. Again, it sounds really kind of crazy whenever we look at our our context and our culture today. And and in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul isn't against marriage. He's not forbidding marriage. He's not restraining marriage. He is, however, sharing his thoughts as to why he prefers the single life. You know, he writes, the, the one who marries does well, and the one who doesn't marry does better. And, and so again, the context was just so completely different than what we see today in 2020 in the United States of America, but still most certainly Paul validates the single life in the Christian community here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, while we're in the New Testament and talking about singleness in the New Testament, I do feel like this needs to be said uh, in case you weren't aware. Jesus was single. <laughs> 
right? Our faith revolves around a person who lived his entire life celibate, single. So if anyone ever gives you a hard time for being single, you can always pull that out of your back pocket. Hey, you know who else was single? Jesus. So feel free to do whatever you want with that fact. I don't care. I don't care. But I feel, as, as a pastor here, that you need to know this, okay? You need to know this. Uh, last month, I was getting a haircut, and I know some of you are probably thinking, wait, wait, John gets haircuts? I do. I do. And, uh, and so I was getting my haircut, and, you know, very early on in the haircut, uh, the person cutting my hair said, so, do you have a girlfriend? And I'm like, no, you know, I'm actually single, and, you know, kind of just left it at that. But I could tell that she was not satisfied with my answer. She went, oh, okay. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to talk about this a little bit more. So I started just sharing about myself a little bit. I'm like, yeah, and you know, Jesus, he himself was single. And she's like, hmm, that's, that's interesting. And, and so anyways, we talk a little bit longer. And, and about 15 minutes later into the haircut, we kind of reach the awkward silence part of the haircut. And, uh, and she breaks the silence by saying, you know, that, that's really interesting. I, I never thought about that. Jesus was single. I'm like, yes, he was single. So, so again, that's just something that I, I don't think people realize as much as they probably should whenever it comes to reading the New Testament. Moving on, moving on. We, uh, <laughs> we've talked a lot about dating today. We've looked at what different scriptures have to say about singleness and dating. I want to end, though, this sermon by talking about what the church can do. Right? How can we respond when it comes to singleness? How can we come alongside of our single people today? And, and also, whenever I say church, I don't just mean Acts 2, United Methodist Church. I mean the entire church, the, the church universal, the entire body of Christ here on earth. First, I think we can actually talk about singleness. I think we can talk about the topics that young people are talking about today. This is so important because young people are talking about dating today. They're talking about who they're texting. They're talking about the dates that they're going on. They're talking about Snapchat. They're talking about all of these different things. And I think whenever we actually talk about the things that young people are talking about and experiencing, that is a great step in the right direction. And I believe that whenever we do that, whenever we talk about singleness and what other young people are talking about and experiencing, I believe that we're going to reflect Jesus more. Because whenever I read about Jesus in the Gospels, I read about a person who cared for every concern, both big and small, of every person he encountered. He loved these people. He cared about these people. He cared about every single one of their needs, their relational needs, their emotional needs, their spiritual needs, and their physical needs. Jesus cared. And the same is still true today, that Jesus still cares about us. Jesus still cares about what's keeping us up at night, what's causing us trouble each day. Jesus knows and Jesus cares. So I think we as the church, we can talk about singleness and the other things that young people are talking about today. Number two. The church can view single people as equally valuable and created in God's image. And I know we hear that this morning and we think, duh, of course we're going to do that. that, that that's like a, a, a no-brainer. But, but sadly, I've been to many churches before, maybe you have been as well, where that wasn't the case. If you were single, if you were in your 20s and you weren't married at that point, well, then there was something wrong with you. It was unnatural. It was unusual. It was out of the norm. And, and people would say things like, oh, well, well, don't worry. One day, one day I'm sure you'll find someone. You know, one day, one day God's going to send someone to you. And, and, and you know, whenever those things are said to the single people in the church, that can almost make them feel inferior. 
you know, they can start to wonder, well, is there something wrong with me? I mean, should I, I really be in a relationship right now? Should I be married already? Uh, I mean, if God's going to send me some of the future, why hasn't he done it already? You know, we kind of ask ourselves these things. So, so instead of treating single people differently, we can value our differences and we can glorify God together. You know, whenever we read about the early church in the New Testament, uh, a lot of different things stand out. But one thing in particular stands out definitely, and it's the church's diversity. The church in the book of Acts was so diverse in so many different ways. There were people from all these different nations leading. There were Jews and Gentiles leading, men and women, slaves and free, rich people and poor people. And in the early church in the book of Acts, both single people and married couples led. They had these leadership roles. We read about different married couples that had leadership roles in the church. A great example would be Priscilla and Aquila. That just sounds fun to say, Priscilla and Aquila. But we read about them in both the book of Acts and the book of Romans. And and they were a married couple. And they had a a great leadership role in the church and and did a lot of great ministry in Rome. Uh, At the same time, though, there were so many different single people in ministry and in leadership roles in the early church. Paul is probably the best example of that. Uh, But there were many others as well examples of single people leading in the early church. All that to say, in the early church, in the book of Acts, single people, young people, their voices were heard. Their voices were validated. They were treated as equals. They were respected. And then number three, the church, we can radically include and invite single people. That's what we're going to do as Acts 2 UMC. Uh, up on the screens, uh, that's a picture of myself uh, with two of my best friends, Richie and Caroline. Uh, for almost three years now, uh, we have been inseparable, like the three musketeers, just a great trio of friends. And, and that picture uh, was actually taken in the other building in the chapel on a Friday night in October of 2018. That's when I just came to, to visit one church. Before I was even here as the pastor, I just came to visit and, and guest preach that night. They came to support me, just to hear my sermon. And it was a, a really fun night. Well, a month after that picture was taken, Richie and Caroline started dating. And naturally, you would think that I would just start being excluded from everything they ever did. You know, that I would just be the third wheel if I, you know, was even able to go along with them. You know, I would just kind of be left out, you know, not really included in the same way. But, but that's not what happened at all. Instead, they radically included me. They made it a priority. They were so intentional to say, John, this isn't going to change anything with our friendship. You're still going to be included. We're still going to do things together. And, and we still do today. Years later, we still hang out together. And, and by the way, over Christmas break, they got engaged, which is really special. Yeah, we can clap for them. That's great. All right, so this will be the final thing I share with us this morning. It's so easy for young people today, and really for anybody, to think that finding the right person or starting dating will solve all of our problems, that once we find that person, once we enter into a relationship, then that's when life truly begins, right? All that we've ever been looking for is found in in a relationship or in dating someone. But that's just not the case at all. We don't find all that we've ever been looking for in another person or in a dating relationship, no matter how great the person may be. No, instead we find all of our deepest longings, all of our greatest thirsts quenched, and all of our greatest hungers satisfied in the person of Jesus. You know, throughout the Gospels, Jesus says this phrase. It's one of my favorite phrases of his. It's, it's come to me. Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Come to me, all you who are thirsty, and I will give you living water, and you will thirst no more. Come to me, I'm the bread of life, and you will hunger no longer. In Jesus, it's in him that we find all that we've ever been looking for. If we try to find that in dating, if we try to find that in a certain man or woman, if we try to find that on a dating app, we're going to be defeated and disappointed and let down. And so this day, this very Sunday, February 2nd, 2020, and every single day, may we accept Jesus' invitation. His invitation to life, to intimacy, to wellness, to wholeness, to relationship. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, I'm reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians, where he says, Nothing compares to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. And so, God, we thank you for that. Just the surpassing greatness, just the sheer awesomeness of knowing you, of being in a relationship with you. And, Lord, how nothing else, no other relationship even comes close to the greatness of the relationship that we have with you. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the good work that you're doing within us. And, Lord, all this we pray in the most beautiful name, the name of Jesus. And we remember how he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.